Hey, pals. Thanks for listening to The Big Listen. I wanted to let you know about a new way that you can get your news every morning. It's called Up First, and it is the morning news podcast from NPR. All we need is about 10 minutes of your time, and you can get a sense of the stories and the big ideas of the day. You know, all the stuff you really need to know and why it matters. So start your day with Up First, weekday mornings by 6 a.m. Eastern Time on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, before we start, how's about you go review us in iTunes? Seriously, just go to iTunes and tell us what you think. It really helps other very attractive listeners, such as yourself, find the show. Here's a recent five-star review from Jeffrey, 1959. Quote, good job. I really like the show. End quote. That's it. Succinct, economical, to the point. That's really all your review needs to be. Now, Let's start the show. Buck Ballard is a trucker in Wisconsin. He hauls paper products all over the Midwest. He also has the most perfect name for a trucker or a reality star. Anyway. So we deliver rolls of paper, finished paper products, napkins, paper towels, paper plates, that kind of stuff, and any other freight we can find. Buck's son Don is also a trucker. His load is a little more fun than Buck's, though. Because Don hauls beer. I pull up. It doesn't matter if it's 6 in the morning or 8 o'clock at night. Everybody's excited to see the beer guy. You know, hey, the beer guy's here. (laughs) Anyway, these guys are on the road a lot. And you know what being on the road a lot means? It means a lot of time to listen to podcasts. I don't find myself listening uh, really to terrestrial radio very often at all anymore. But for Buck and Don, listening to a lot of podcasts actually inspired them to make their own. This is the Trucking Podcast, episode 161. I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. Now, Buck and Don, the father and son podcasting slash trucker super duo, started their podcast as a way to have some family bonding time. And of course, like so many great ideas, this one was attributed to mom. It was actually my wife's idea, why don't you do something with Don? And then the little light bulb went off, a phone call to Don, and the trucking podcast was born. And then, uh, and, and you know, the funny thing is we've actually talked about just walking away from trucking altogether and just being, I don't know, Two beers with Buck and Don, two guys in the man cave, whatever. And, you know, so many of the man show stuff are, uh, you know, how stupid men can be. And, and uh, you know, maybe go beyond that and, you know, strike into that little cowboy spirit that's within all of us. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, giddy up. Go for it. We're going to hear more from Buck and Don later in the show about the trucking podcast and what they're listening to when they're in their rigs. But first... The Honorable, the Chief Justice, and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, yay, oh, yay. If you're up on the news, you know that the Supreme Court is smoking hot right now. The 2016 death of ultra-conservative Justice Antonin Scalia left a vacancy on the court. And President Trump recently filled that vacancy with Judge Neil Gorsuch. That is, after the Senate stonewalled President Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, for 10 months. You all remember that. And now there are rumors that one of the current justices will retire over the summer. And that would give Trump his second Supreme Court pick in just a year. So this podcast couldn't come at a more perfect time. Get it? More perfect? All right, let's do it. Yep. Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad. This is More Perfect, a miniseries about the Supreme Court. More Perfect is a legal spinoff of WNYC's Radio Lab. Now, unless you're Nina Totenberg, a podcast about the Supreme Court might not sound all that riveting. But what makes the show great is that it's about the people and the dramas behind the cases. So you won't hear a lot of annoying legalese, but you will hear really great storytelling. Kelsey Padgett is a producer on More Perfect. Ellie Mistal is the show's legal expert. Kelsey and Ellie, welcome to The Big Listen. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Okay. 
So we've all taken some type of eighth grade civics class, maybe, and maybe they discuss the Supreme Court. So maybe we might know that it exists and there may be like nine people deciding all of our fates or something. But what was the impetus for the show? Why did you want to sort of drill deeper into uh, the highest court in the land? Well, we don't know anything about the Supreme Court. It's, uh, there was a statistic we put in one of the episodes. I think it was like two-thirds of people can't name all of the justices. Now, never mind that most Americans have no idea who the justices are. Two-thirds can't even name a single justice. Uh, I can't even name the one that just died. I honestly couldn't tell you any of their no, names. I, I can't um, even tell you. <laughs> the only name of a judge I know is Judge Judy. Doesn't matter. It really came up because Jad uh, got curious about the Supreme Court. Jad Abumrad, who is the host of Radio Lab, one of the hosts. That's right. Creator of. Jad uh, Abumrad got interested in the Supreme Court. We had done some legal stories, but he asked the whole team to sort of go through the docket that was coming up in the next Supreme Court's term and to pick stories that we might pitch. And uh, Tim Howard, who was a producer at Radio Lab at the time, he pitched one about a case called Adoptive Couple v. Baby Girl. You know, it just seemed odd at first that this would even be a Supreme Court case. It seemed more like a, a straightforward custody case. Right. But when you dig in... Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Crusades. Text messages. State laws. Errors. Children. Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Christopher Columbus. And it is not straightforward at all. Apparently not. So let me walk you through it the way that I learned about it. You know, I specifically got addicted to Supreme Court stuff. I downloaded an app where I could listen to oral arguments as I went to sleep. Oh, boy, you're outing yourself. You're outting yourself so hard right now. Big nerd. (laughs) So anyway, I got really excited about it, and Jad was still really excited about it. And we were trying to do more, more legal stories, more Supreme Court stories. And then it just, you know, evolved over time that, you know, maybe this should be its own thing. So obviously, there there is no shortage of cases for you guys to unpack. Uh, and I wonder how you're picking cases because like in this season, you covered cases like the landmark sodomy trial, Lawrence v. Texas, uh, basically rendered sodomy laws unenforceable. But then also some weird, obscure ones like Baker v. Carr, which is a super sexy case about redistricting from the 60s. Now, on the surface, Baker versus Carr was about districts and how people are counted in this country. Mm. And this is one of the most basic ways that political power gets assigned in America. Yeah, like, you know, as populations grow in size, that growth should be reflected in the number of Congress people that are representing them. But at that time in Tennessee... Tennessee hadn't changed its legislative districts. Its last reapportionment was in 1901. Since 1901 which was 60 years years earlier. Well, this created big problems for urban areas. Like Memphis, because in those 60 years, people had moved to the cities in droves. And rural areas were getting smaller. But the Tennessee state legislature had refused to update its count, and it was still giving more representation to those rural areas. In Tennessee, um, the figure was 23 to 1. Another reason that like we were drawn to Supreme Court cases is that in order to have a Supreme Court case, you have to have standing. So the thing has to have like happened to somebody or, you know, be at stake for that person. So mm-hmm. so many of the cases come down to a person versus, you know, the state or a state mm-hmm. versus a person or a person versus a person or a state versus a state. So there's always a story right. uh, at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can go to that person and be like, you know, tell us your life story. The, the actual Supreme Court case is only the final snapshot. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that has led us to having this one hour oral argument in front of these eight or nine people, right? To the extent that we can focus on everything that led to the case, that's a more compelling story than just what the final decision is. I think the way that you illustrated it in the Imperfect Plaintiff episode was really good because we're looking back at a case that was 1998. Am I mistaken on that? The Lawrence v. Texas was in the late 90s. That sounds right. Okay, so come on in. I brought out my Lawrence versus Texas box of stuff. So I went to Houston uh, and I visited a guy named Mitchell Kateen. He's a lawyer there. And he showed me the arrest papers. He had the arrest papers for these two guys. J. Lawrence criminal. Officers observed the defendant engaged in deviant sexual conduct, charged with homosexual conduct. It's right there in writing. Yeah, I I mean, it's 
It really is strange to see those words on a piece of paper. It seems like such an anachronism, but it was oh, not. Actually. It's not. And this is dated um, September 17th, 1998. Now, in 1998, Texas wasn't the only state that had this kind of law on the books. At least 13 other states also had an anti-sodomy law. And it's important to note that, you know, this law wasn't used very much. People were not arrested for this law. Because when would police be present in your home to observe you having sex? This is Dale Carpenter. I teach constitutional law. SMU Law School. I mean, sodomy laws weren't really about stopping anybody from having sex. They were really about ensuring that we could label people criminal. It was a label that people could point to. So that people who disapproved of homosexuality could say, look. The defining act of homosexuality, a crime. So if it's a crime and you commit the crime, Well, you're a criminal. It's a criminal statute. People can say you're a criminal, which then gives the state a legal basis to justify all sorts of housing discrimination, employment discrimination. Military, in every context, it had an effect. So the Supreme Court has been pretty hot in 2016. We've talked a lot about it um, with the death of Antonin Scalia and the fact that Obama's nominee for the seat, Merrick Garland, didn't even get a hearing. So, Ellie, I'm wondering if you can tell us how weird it is that we've had an eight-justice bench for like 10 months. Unprecedented. (laughs) There's no other potential nominee has gone this long without a hearing. It's completely, there's no historical doppelganger for the Senate simply refusing to consider a nominee for the president. I mean, it'd be one thing if they met with him and had a hearing and said, no, we don't like him. That would be one thing. That's happened before. You know, I'm old enough to remember a world where either presidential candidate saying that they had a litmus test for a Supreme Court justice would be an anathema. Right. That's, that's wrong. That's not how it's supposed to go. This election cycle, both candidates rolled out there with like, well, I'm only going to choose a justice who agrees with me on this, this, this. Well, I'm only going to choose a justice who agrees with me on that, that, that. That's, re- that's yeah. unprecedented in American history. The, the court has become so politicized and it's not supposed to be this political body. It's supposed to be these nine people who interpret the law. They say what the law is. They're trying to figure out what that thing is. And it's not supposed to be like, oh, well, I'm, you know, on this side of the political leaning. Mm -hmm. So I think the law Mm -hmm. is this. So 2017 is probably going to be a pretty big year for the Supreme Court. And I have no idea what's on the docket, but just because we will have a new Supreme Court justice, um, what do we need to pay attention to on the Supreme Court side of things in 2017? A couple things. Actually, 2017 is not going to be a huge year for the Supreme Court because they had to already figure out what cases they were taking. And they were taking cases when they were an eight-person body. Oh, yeah. So they weren't taking, like, big, big, big things. Right. So they really kind of avoided a lot of the hot-button issues that they had been getting into in previous terms. Right. Um, 2018 is going to be when the Empire Strikes Back. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. So we have a year. We have a year of, like, chill. And then it's going to get bad. Um, all right. So, Kelsey, give me uh, give me the hot take for season two. What's in the offing for uh, for more perfect in 2017? So we are looking at a lot of things that really speak to how much power do you have as a citizen? You know, who is the full citizen with the full rights? A lot of the episodes we're looking at that this theme sort of runs through it and cases that like a majority of people would say was a bad case. This was decided poorly and we don't like this. Looking and seeing like why that is and what will happen with those sorts of cases. Great. Well, we'll uh, we'll put our ears on that when it comes out. Kelsey Padgett and Ellie Mistal from Radiolab presents More Perfect from our pals at WNYC. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us on The Big Listen, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Kelsey Padgett and Ellie Mistal are two of the folks behind the podcast More Perfect from WNYC Studios. To find out more about their show, check out our website, biglisten.org. It's time for the tiniest break ever right now. But when we come back, we're going to brush up on a little presidential history with a field trip to Mount Vernon, George Washington's estate. Yeah, everyone lives in this house. Okay, but they don't because there are like a million bedrooms in that house. What does your house in New York look like? Oh, my apartment in Brooklyn. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's up next. 
Stay put. This is NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from thinkaboutyoureyes.com. Did you know that your eyes are the windows to your soul and also your body's health? In fact, a yearly comprehensive eye exam could detect early signs of serious health issues like diabetes, heart disease, and even the possibility of stroke early enough for you to seek treatment, which is actually kind of amazing because then they are actually the windows to your health. So be sure to visit your eye doctor every year, and you just might save more than your vision. So find an eye doctor near you at thinkaboutyoureyes.com. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message also comes from Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you, yes you, all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals like that you cook yourself. Ingredients come paired with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Rediscover how fun cooking can be, so much fun, while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com slash big. Hey, pals. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober. And recently, we got an epic message from a listener. Hi, Lauren Ober. This very avid podcast listener decided to sing her show recommendations, all 19 of them. Um, My name is Lulu Miller. I'm calling you from Charlottesville, Virginia. And um, I just saw your tweet about Save Podcast of 2016. And 19, we've got a 19-way tie. Yeah, so here it is. Maybe in in song form, if if it happens. We've got Love Me from the CBC. This is Love Me. Which is sort of about love, but also about loneliness. There's wordplay, there's such great sound design. It kind of makes you want to cry. Code Switch. On this episode of Code Switch. Help me reframe this really confusing time on Earth politically embedded this is embedded that some deep reporting takes you places you might never go to south sudan with msf snap judgment really got into snap this year not sure what took me so long that super listener was lulu miller formerly of npr's invisibilia now we don't have time to play all 19 of her recommendations but if you really want to know what they were we've got them all listed on our website biglisten.org Okay, I gotta go. My dog's barking. Your getting weird. Bye. Bye, Lulu. We don't have time to talk anyway, because we are going on a field trip. Is it recording? Yes, anything you say now may be used against you. My producer, Ponzi, and I headed to George Washington's Mount Vernon estate in Virginia. Where are we going? Main entrance, ticket sales, hallelujah. Here we go. We wanted to get a better handle on the institution of the presidency. Because apparently, some of us didn't pay attention in eighth grade civics class. Nice to meet you. Sorry, it took us a minute. Hi, Alexis. Ponty. We are here to meet Alexis Coe, a historian and the co-host of the Audible original show, Presidents Are People Too. Uh, yeah, right. They're not people, too. But, you know, I'm willing to entertain the idea. Presidents are people, and people need vacations. Teddy Roosevelt liked to unwind by killing Africa's most majestic creatures. I'm not suggesting you should do that. George W. Bush relieves stress by clearing brush for photographers on his ranch in Crawford, Texas. Nixon would go to his vacation house in Florida, where he used taxpayer money to install a new ice maker that made hole-free ice because Nixon didn't like having holes in his ice. Nixon was a weird guy. And the host and producer... In the series, Alexis and her co-host Elliot Kalin try to show that for most of the American presidents, being the holder of the highest office in the land was only part of who they were. Like, George Washington was not only the model of a modern major general. Did you know that George Washington was also a redhead? Uh, uh, No, I didn't, because in all of the... He looks like he has white hair. The white hair? That was powder. What? Like he put baby powder all over his head, Ooh. which is 
ridiculous if you think about it and really messy. And it took quite a quite a bit of time. I mean, it's like pretty vain, you know? It's, yeah, it's definitely pretty vain. Um, so I think we have to go through actually there and sort of go in. in okay. okay. Uh, this is not a terrible view. I mean, we're standing on what the... The, uh, the sort of, what is this, a portico, mm-hmm. um, the back of the mansion right now, looking out over the Potomac. I'm thinking of how the name of the show that you and Elliot Kalen host is called Presidents Are People Too. Yeah, everyone lives in this kind Okay, of house. but they don't because there are like a million bedrooms in that house. What does your house in New York look like? Oh, my apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, I don't even know the square footage, but I'm sure it's uh, uh, 500 or so. But the thing is, this is property uh. that he inherited from his eldest brother's widow. Um, and that was after waiting for many people to die. Right. And uh, working as a surveyor, uh, supporting his family, taking kind of whatever assignments he could. This was the new world. Anything was possible, but you had to work really hard for it. Right. So he wasn't of the manor born, but I mean, at the age of 11, he inherited 10 sleeves. So he also wasn't a peanut farmer in Georgia. Presidents Are People too. the (laughs) Audible series that I co-host with Elliot Kalin came about through um, lots of conversations over about 12 years. We're old friends. Oh, boy. And we met when we were 22, 23 in New York. I was going to grad school. He was, I think, like, whatever the lowest position is at the Daily Show. (laughs) And... We because Coffee we, getter. Exactly. We because we are. And eventually he, of course, rose to be the head writer. Um, but we would kind of go off into corners and talk about presidents at parties because we are party animals. <laughs> and when he left the okay, Daily Show. Okay, okay. So I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing parties wrong for yeah. like 30 years. That's how you win at parties. <laughs> you go and you talk about presidents and you talk about their lives and their legacies. Um <laughs> and that's how Presidents of People 2 came about. Okay. An ongoing conversation that Elliot and I have, usually away from the uh, microphones, is shouldn't have been president. <laughs> like, you should have stopped. We pick, like, the moment in time when they should have stopped. Like, Harding could have been the greatest small-town mayor in America. Right. He... he resurrected a paper. Yeah. He was a journalist. He did good work. Do you think that Harding should have stayed in Marion, Ohio and continued to be a journalist? You know, I, I think it sounded like, from what I've read of Harding, that he really used the newspaper as a stepping stone almost from the start. I mean, he was constantly... Um, keeping his eye out for political opportunities from the start. So I don't think that was ever really his ambition. That's disappointing to me because I had this image in my head of like all the president's men type story starring Harding. Uh, But I guess he wanted to be the president in that story with the scandals and not the reporters uncovering the scandals. Well, I suppose he could have always, if he wanted to have the most spectacular place in American history as the president, he could have been the president who covered his own administration scandals. That would have been amazing. <laughs> and, and then he could have blown the whistle on it and um, maybe not gotten reelected, but at least won the Pulitzer Prize if it existed then. Oh, <sighs> got the Pul- get the Pulitzer for his interview of himself. Exactly. <laughs> and instead, he became what's known as one of the worst presidents oh, in man. our history. Yeah. People from his cabinet went to jail. Yeah. Um, when um, I did the Jimmy Carter episode, you know, you're outside of Plains, Georgia, and Atlanta, Georgia, and he doesn't have the best reputation, even right. among Democrats, even right. among, among liberals. You go there and he's revered, and I was, I was sitting in his Sunday school class. I love that. So excited, and he gave this. I, I, I don't know if it, it's every week, but what I found to be an incredibly moving um, lesson about cancer and about losing a grandson and about being mad at God and about Syria. I mean, it was kind of all <laughs> over the place. I had this non religious, religious moment about Jimmy Carter, yeah. which was that he's too good of a person to be president. 
Oh, Jimmy, you're so wonderful. All right, you're so down. handsome and so refined and polite. Oh, that southern voice. Oh, I love it. Why don't you just marry him, Alexis? Because he's been happily married to Rosalind for 70 years. <laughs> You've been talking about visiting Carter's hometown of Plains, Georgia, literally since we started this series. So you're either obsessed with peanuts or you're already a pretty big Carter fan. How many presidents returned to their tiny, like, rural southern hometowns after leaving the White House. And then how many of them... Sometimes I think, like, who would ever want that job? Because it literally seems like the worst worst. job in America. Taft certainly found that out. He was much happier as being um, justice of the Supreme Court. Yeah. He he liked to say, I I don't even remember that I was president. (laughs) I mean, that's Kush. Taft had this great phrase in which he said, basically, my plate was just up when offices were falling. And everyone around him wanted him to be president, his parents. um, (laughs) And so they didn't all aspire to it. So Taft just keeps rising up the ranks. And he doesn't want to be president, but he he does it because Teddy Roosevelt basically campaigns for him and is almost like pushing him. Right. I kept reading that he craved love and respect and he tried to please his friends and families who pushed him, like really pushed him, into leadership roles. Yeah, it's hard to treat Taft's presidency as really anything more than an afterthought in his life, even though it's literally the only reason we're talking about him right now. It's almost like Taft hated his job so much that he was trying to get fired from it from day one. So I guess the moral of William Howard Taft's life is don't let people push you around because you might end up president of the United States. That's a weird moral. And now he's best remembered for something that in all likelihood didn't even happen. So my conclusion isn't so much of a conclusion, I guess, as a request, a plea to our listeners. Presidents are people too, and we shouldn't be fat shaming them. So if we're thinking about George Washington, we're thinking about what was happening at that time when he was president. I mean, everything was so new and people were probably going in a million different directions. And uncertain. And we'd also inspired so many revolutions right. throughout the, the world. And we had this influx of, of people who were mm-hmm. coming from during the French Revolution. Right. Well, so then, I mean, if you're talking about polarity and you're you're talking about you know, political enemies, how then did Washington or what was he able to rise above that or or be a uniter, as is this word that we're all obsessed with right now? Um, you know, we need to bring the country together. But is that so like is there something to be learned from this first president about how you might go about that? Washington had uh, a mother who Ron Chernow has described as crusty. And he learned from that growing up um, that it was important to control your emotions. And as a result, he's sometimes thought of as distant, like the founding father who's in our pockets but not our hearts sort of thing. (laughs) But his control of his emotions, he would not have been on Twitter. (laughs) He was this imposing man at the time of 6'2", very strong, um, but known as fair and as um, exerting restraint. And people really respected him for that. They trusted him because he didn't have children. He didn't have heirs. Um, He gave up power twice. That's incredible. It was something at the time world leaders could not fathom. And so whether you agreed with him or not, and remember, people were paying more taxes. We were upset about the British taxation without representation, but after we had debts, we needed to start a country. And so taxes were pretty high. Things were not always great. But because of his character, um, when he died, people mourned for months. They were black throughout the country. Napoleon declared that his government mourned for 10 days. (laughs) I mean, he was just revered by, by governments who wanted nothing to do with his yeah. and who did you know were, were opposed in every way right i mean you just look at every part of his life yeah besides where we're standing near the slave quarters <laughs> well right and you think how was he possible Alexis Coe is the co-host of the Audible original show, Presidents Are People Too, along with Elliot Kalin. To find out more about the audio series, check out our website, biglisten.org, or follow us on Twitter at Hear Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R, Big Listen. 
Now, remember our pals Buck and Don Ballard from the top of the show? They're the father-son podcasting super duo who co-host the Trucking Podcast. How could you forget? Anyway, they spend a lot of time in their trucks. So that means there's a lot of time to listen to stuff. Now, I'm on the road all the time, so I'm on the road four days a week. I don't have a satellite radio, and radios and Freightliners are really garbage. So podcasting is pretty much it. So what's Buck listening to? Don't keep us in suspense. My behind-the-microphone hero, I I hate to admit this in public, but I will. It is Don Imus. I download Don Imus' radio show every morning. Imus in the morning. Love the I-man. I wish I could be as funny and as sarcastic as that old cooch is. He cracks me up. I do listen. Planet Money has some cool stuff. I'll catch Planet Money. Uh, outside of that, I do listen to some Adam Carella stuff, uh, some self-improvement things, and there's also some uh, Christian studies that I listen to online that uh, I can get in podcast form, and those are pretty cool, too. Buck also listens to the Survival Podcast with Jack Spierko and something called the Horse Radio Network, the voice of the horse world. This is the Horse Radio Network. They have a show called The Stable Scoop Radio Show, which is clearly my soon-to-be favorite show of all time. Well, I'm going to go have a listen to that right now. But after this break, we're going to check in with our newly appointed foreign correspondents to see what we should be putting our ears on in 2017. You know, when you're walking down the street or, or you're in a crowd and there's people all around you and sometimes you think, like, you know, what is happening inside inside their head? And this podcast, I think, kind of gives you access to that experience of being in someone else's head. That's coming up so soon. Don't go anywhere. This is NPR. Hey, pals. NPR is working with the Knight Foundation to better understand how listeners just like you spend time with The Big Listen and other podcasts. So you can really help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at NPR.podcastingsurvey, all one word, dot com. So that's NPR.podcastingsurvey.com. It takes less than 10 minutes and you will be doing all of us here at The Big Listen a massive favor by filling it out. We would really appreciate you helping us out here. That address again is NPR.podcastingsurvey.com. Go do it now. Don't delay. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Nick Anderson. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, and my favorite podcaster 2016 is Brave Little State, produced out of Vermont Public Radio. It's a show that takes the idea that listeners have questions that want to be answered and does a really great job bringing listeners along in the exploration of answers. And what is your question? My question is, why are our utility bills so high in Vermont? And what the heck are all those obscure line items and charges on our gas bill and our electric bill? It takes a simple idea and produces it with an elegant uh, beauty that really makes me a non-resident and never resident of the state of Vermont feel like I know a little bit more about a state I've never lived in. Thanks. Hey, pals. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want you to tell me about your favorite podcast of the 21st century. Call us on the pod line and give me the hot scoop. The number's 202-885-POD1. I will not rest until I hear from you. So normally this is the part of the show called Listen Up, where we grill your favorite pod people about what they're listening to. Well, this week we have a very special treat for you. Please allow me to introduce the Big Listen's very first foreign correspondents. Woo! Yay! We're branching out. Willkommen bei O2. Okay, wait, hold on. No, sorry. I got to get them on the line first. That was like crazy hold music in German. Uno momento. Okay, so one of our foreign correspondents is in Sydney. And one of them is in Berlin. And I am just a dodo in Washington, D.C., trying to figure out a newfangled technology called the telephone. Hello? 
Hi. Oh, my God. There are three of us? <laughs> yeah, we're all here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of remarkable. We did. We sure did do it. So Amy and Kate Sherrington are sisters. My name is Kate Sherrington. Um, I live in Sydney, Australia, and I am one of the auditors. Yeah, I'm Amy Sherrington, and I am the other part of the auditors, and I live in Berlin. They are podcast obsessives, so much so that they write a newsletter and a website called The Audit, where they astutely review podcasts. It's very good. I recommend checking it out. So not unlike our trucking friends, Buck and Don, the Sherrington sisters use their newsletter and website project as a way to keep in touch. We sort of like discover together and we, we have this WhatsApp group called Sister to Sister. Amy, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> Don't tell the radio tell that them. our WhatsApp group is called Sister to Sister. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> like, the old, like the girl band. Or like the old TV show. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just need to process that for a second. <laughs> okay, so I could laugh about that WhatsApp group name for ages. And trust me, if you let me, I would. But that is not why we invited them on the show. I want to know what we should be listening to in 2017. Do you guys have some picks for me? We do. We do have some picks, yes. Okay, this is great. We have been very carefully assembling what we think people need to listen to in 2017. Okay. This is not a comprehensive list. This is a short list. There's a lot of stuff we should all be listening to in 2017. But yes, we have we have some ideas. Uh, so how about we start with our friend in Europe, Amy? Yes. <laughs> how about you? You hit us with one pick. Okay. So I'm going to start with a podcast called Terrible. Thanks for asking. Um, and this is a fairly new podcast. I think it's uh, from American Public Media. It's hosted and written by Nora McEnany. And it's kind of basically um, she's navigating the sort of grief and uh, of losing her unborn child, her husband and her father in quick succession. I was just about to say, Amy, I want to like just introduce the caveat here that like that sounds so depressing. Um, and, and, and it's not. It's really, it's really not depressing. It's funny and, and it's really warm like it's it can be dark but it's really it's not as as grim as it sounds <laughs> no so yes it sounds kind of super depressing but it's not it's it's really warm and it's darkly funny i never knew really what grief looked like we're very very good at hiding it compartmentalizing it experiencing it in private mostly you are of course allowed to actively grieve during a wake funeral, a burial. Perhaps you can keen over your husband's dead body, post a few sad status updates, write a blog post. But did you know that grief isn't just crying? That grief isn't just like a facial expression or a physical act? Did you know that a grieving person can do a lot of things like laugh and go to movies and grocery shop and raise a child all while bleeding to death internally? Well, now you know, so you won't be surprised when it happens to you. Terrible thanks for asking uh, from American Public Media. All right, great pick. We're starting off hot. Kate, can you give us another pick to, to match your sisters? Yeah, but it's it's kind of different and it's a lot um, smaller, but I'm, I'm backing it. So this is a show called Random Article. It's hosted by Mae Jasper, who is this totally delightful um, Australian. She is a researcher. And so the premise of the show is that May hits the random article button on Wikipedia and then she goes digging on whatever turns up. Now, I am super excited because today's topic is syndesmica. Syndesmica was the first topic that I ever got. And I'll be honest, if I had not fallen headlong into a deep and powerful obsession about syndesmica, this show would not exist. But when I first found it, you know, this is all in the future. I didn't even know what syndesmica was. Syndesmica is a moth genus. So this is a recording of me when I first found the topic back at the end of 2014. And the words I'm saying there are moth genus. Syndesmica is a type of moth, as in not a butterfly but a moth. And genus, as in not a species but a genus. It's a type of insect. It is here placed in subfamily 
Dicomeridinae of family Gelechidae, though some authors assign it to the Autostachinae, which belongs elsewhere in the Gelechidae. So you hear that little huh at the end? That huh is because that was the whole article. Those two sentences. Sindesmica is... Okay. All right. So that woman, May Jasper, seems like I like need to be friends with her. I mean, what an amazing yes. idea just to scroll through random articles in Wikipedia and then do stories about them. Genius. Totally. Yeah, it is genius. And it's also, it's a little, it's a really little independent show. And for something that is is so tiny, the, the scope and the quality of it is like really on point. So yeah, it's impressive. All right. Kudos, Australia. Um, all right, Amy, hit us. Hit us with something. All right, I'm coming back. Um, so the next one I'm going to talk about is The Untold. It's another kind of uh, really intimate up close and personal documentary style podcast and it's not necessarily a new podcast in 2017 but Kate and I talked about it and we kind of consider it to be fairly underrated outside of the UK. Um, It's from BBC4 and it's presented by Grace Dent who is a food writer in the UK and she has this really enchanting northern accent. Yeah it's heaven. Grace Grace Dent should, should narrate everything. Yes. So, DJ Derek is a 74-year-old white man. He's a retired accountant. At one point, he worked for what was the Fry's Chocolate Factory. But in the 1980s, he quit that life and he moved to Bristol, St Paul's area. St Paul's is an inner-city area with a large Afro-Caribbean population. But here... Derek felt truly at home. He played his music at parties, he made a lot of friends, he became a Bristol celebrity. But last summer, he vanished. Basically the idea is that they're showcasing stories from modern Britain um, and kind of like untold dramas in this documentary style. So that's The Untold from our friends at the BBC Radio 4. Um, We will check that out. Uh, Also, seems seems not super peppy. all right, so Kate, what do you got? I have one, have one um, that also is that kind of intimate documentary style, but a little bit of a different angle. It's called Everyone Else. Everyone Else. Also, Amy is not totally convinced about this one, but I. So I'm going to pitch it to you, Lauren, and I'm going to pitch it also to her again because it's one of my favorite new shows of, of 2016. It's an independent British podcast, it's a collaboration. Like, the premise is what I love. It's a collaboration between a a photographer and a radio producer. And together they produce these anonymous portraits of strangers. So for each episode, there'll be a photograph kind of depicting the person and then an accompanying radio piece. I was, like, misbehaving in school. I was 10 years old, just really having a difficult time with listening to adult instructions you know what I'm trying to say so I just I was just rebellish I was just rebellious sorry not rebellish rebellious the way it makes me feel is like you know when you're walking down the street or, or you're in a crowd and there's people all around you and sometimes you think like what's going on in that person's life like that person is a person like me you know what is happening inside inside their head and this podcast I think kind of gives you access to that experience of being in someone else's head yeah I mean I okay you've kind of like twisted my arm a bit there but I think I think the reason I'm not so into it is I, I like the narrator's voice and I like to I like to hear a position and kind of like drift along and but have someone guide me and I, I get kind of attached to the the podcast narrators and the story and all right so with with uh, the podcast everyone else a little bit of uh, disagreement in the Sherrington household but it's okay because because everyone's playing nice. Um, it's healthy. It's healthy. Amy, what do you got? Okay, so um, this one is okay. This is not a new podcast either. Don't hate me. Um, <laughs> but th- okay, so I'm going to talk about Who Weekly, and it's become recently quite popular in 2016. Uh, I think it was featured in the New York Times Best New Podcast list for 2016. Yeah. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about all the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And this is Who's There of whatever week this is. 
Wow. Another uh, great opener. Worse. I'm getting worse at it. <laughs> another great opener from your favorite I keep, podcast. Come on. I keep trying so to if you haven't heard it, the main idea behind this sort of podcast is um, about dividing the celebrity world into who's and them's. So Kim and Kanye are them's and the Rita Ora's of this world are who's. <laughs> Here is my ranking of the Trump children from them to who and it's okay. a really interesting ranking we're going to start with ivanka trump she okay. is the them because she is the most uh outward facing she's basically one of the faces of the donald trump campaign for president why because if you had if you had said to me who is donald trump's kid literally a year ago i would have said ivanka trump and i would have not been able to name any of them right <laughs> It's so fun. Yeah. And once you start, you can't stop. I love this. I love this. Yeah. It's it's essential listening. Like I never, I think they do two two episodes a week and I never miss it. All right. Who Weekly, um, hosted by Bobby Finger and Lindsay Weber. We'll check it out. All right. So Kate, do you have a third rec? So I wanted to talk about a brand, brand new podcast. Um the Brits are dominating again here. It's called Brexit Means. Now, naturally, people want to know what Brexit will mean. Brexit means Brexit. Brexit means Brexit. Brexit means Brexit. Brexit means Brexit. Brexit means breakfast. Breakfast. Brexit. So in closing, I'd simply say this. Brexit means Brexit. Hello. This is a new podcast from... From The Guardian, who have emerged as a bit of a force in audio over the last couple of years. This is obviously a bit more of a sort of newsy, political angle. I think it's going to be really interesting listening, um, not just for for Brits, but for anyone who's kind of interested in um, this sort of isolationist policies that are emerging all over the world and wants to kind of think about what they mean and understand their real world implications. Amy and Kate Sherrington, the auditors in Berlin and uh, in Sydney, Australia. Thank you guys so much for hanging out Thank with us. Thank you. It's our absolute pleasure. Sister to sister, <laughs> oh, what's up? God. <laughs> Amy, what have you done? I'm sorry, I just had to. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Our foreign correspondents, sisters Kate and Amy Sherrington, are the auditors. You can get more information about their excellent newsletter and website at biglisten.org. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode. No, but yes. But before we let you go, it's time for CHARTOGRAPHY. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts. But we are not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289, which in an ever-expanding universe of podcasts is actually a really great ranking. This week's 289 is Women of the Hour, hosted by everyone's favorite girl. I'm Lena Dunham, and this is my podcast. She's in all places. I feel like she's producing like every TV show. She's in every movie. She has every podcast. I don't know. Maybe she isn't doing any of that stuff, but she does have a podcast. And um, I listened to an episode, so they're all thematic episodes, and I chose to listen to the Lena Dunham Cat Radio Show, an episode all about cats, because I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to like this one. Like, I almost hate listened to it, but of course, I was totally proven wrong because I really liked the episode. Um, it featured celebrity cat monologues, um, and there was one... It was done in the voice of Melanie Griffiths and Tippi Hedren's childhood lion um, named Neil. Uh, hey, I'm Neil. Uh, apparently, they did actually have a lion. What's up? Um, living on their property. Uh, and Melanie Griffiths grew up with him and snuggled with him in the bed or something. So Mel, uh, Mel was a super sweet gal. And then what else? Oh, Lena, um, Lena interviews her boyfriend, who's a musician named Jack Antonoff, about why he hates Cats, the animal, but actually loves Cats, the musical. The cats in the musical Cats are unlike any cats, any real cats that I've ever met. Um, yeah, I really, I wanted to dislike it so much, but it's really well done, and um, there's not a live Lena in it, which I guess maybe is why I like it. I don't know. Uh, Women of the Hour, Lena Dunham's podcast. I wanted to hate it, but I liked it. 
Want to listen to The Big Listen on the go? Well, guess what? You can. Just go to iTunes or NBR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts and hit subscribe. Then we will just be slip sliding into your feed like you didn't even have to do anything. Just automatically. There we are. Also, please leave us a review. As always, we love us some listener feedback. Like us on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. If you already follow us, congratulations. You're tremendous. Also, still accepting love notes at our electronic mail address, BigListen at WAMU.org. The show today was produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston and Ponsi Rutch. I, Lauren Ober, was wondering where the time went. Special thanks to my best guy, Hans Anderson, for helping out. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Annie McDaniel and her boss man, J.J. Yore, and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a final thought from Buck and Don Ballard, hosts of the Trucking Podcast. I have an important question for you guys, which is if I pass you on the road and I give you the universal sign for toot your horn, will you blow the air horn for me? You know, if there's kids in the car, I always do. What if it's just me? Like, what if it's just like an adult woman just like toot your horn? Will you toot your horn? Come on. You know, I I get a, a real joy out of tooting my <laughs> air horn. It it brings a smile to my face. I don't care who it is. If If I'm able to... Or even if legally I'm not supposed to, I probably still will give that thing a yank just because it it makes me feel like I'm about 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great because it makes me feel about 10 years old to hear it. So it's mutual. Till next time. Hey, Don, yeah. let's let's throw one in uh, in unison and they can have their choice. So three, two, one. Keep, Keep listening, listening, America. America. This is NPR. Hey, the podcast is over. You need to get out of here. But before you scoot, how's about you go leave us a review on iTunes and let everyone know what you think of the show. It would really help other very attractive listeners such as yourselves find the show. Thanks so much.